I'm glad you're here tonight. Thank you so much for coming out. And let me just tell you, having come to, you know, the last worship service Saturday night, like it's officially, if you were waiting to get your Christmas gifts, you have officially waited as long as you can. The only thing you can give now is cash, okay? Uh, and I, you know, if you haven't given me a gift, I'll, I'm, I'm a size cash as well. Um, only thing open now is ATM machines. And, you know, I was thinking about who's the best planner. Some of you are like Nazi planners, like you just got it. Get all figured out. You're the, the planner person. But the best planner I know for shopping is um, Angie Patrick. Angie's been a, a, a children's minister on our staff for uh, many years, and she is like forever shopping. She's got her Christmas done by August, you know. She paid half price for everything, no more than half price. Any of you people like that out there? You, like you can get it? Okay, not really many planners out there. Thank you for that. Is there anybody out there that would raise your hand any, for anything? If I gave $500, would you raise your hand? Okay, just want to make sure you're alive out there. Good, thank you so much. I'm the opposite of the planner. Like I, I do all my shopping in one day at one store, and I pay way too much for it for the privilege of getting out of there. Does anybody shop like I do? Yeah, I just want to get it done. Uh, well, I was thinking about planning, and actually this message tonight is, is a, a reality that when we have our best plans and the hopes that we have, they will often be interrupted. And in fact, this message is specifically for those of you that are living a plan you didn't draw up right now. Something's going on in your life that you had not planned. You had planned and prayed and hoped for one thing, but you're living with something else. You, know, you didn't plan on being sick, but you're very sick and you're struggling. You didn't plan on being out of work, right? Maybe you didn't plan on being single. Something like that, that you, you had to hope for something completely different. Maybe for some of you, there's an empty chair this year at Christmas. You had someone you loved that sat in that chair last year, and you've lost them this year. And, and you know, that, that, that's, that's painful, and it's hard, and it causes us to ask questions to God like, God, I trusted you. I, I believe that you're, uh, you're, you're supernatural, that you're all-powerful, and that you love me, that you are love, and I'm the apple of your eye, all that stuff in Scripture. And if all that's true, why haven't you fixed this yet? Why did you let this happened to me. Those are the kind of questions that we don't like to like say out loud. You don't want to say, yeah, me too, Pastor Jerry. But if you're feeling that way, I want to draw your attention to the reality that the very first Christmas was just like that. You can read about it, Matthew chapter one. You can read the story of the Christmas uh, and, and Luke chapter two. And, and it, you, you kind of have the picture that we all know the, you know, if you go to a Christmas play, it's right out of Luke two or, or Matthew one, all these songs. But what about all the stuff that's not there? You know, like if you were to tell me, you know, write me a, a letter about your whole year, that'd be a lot of details you'd leave out. The Bible leaves out a lot of details about Mary and Joseph. For instance, I've often wondered how they met. And, and did they date? Like, how did that all go down? I kind of think it probably went down like this because Mary was a, a, a godly young woman. I think she probably met Joseph at youth group. How many think that's probably how it went down? She went to like synagogue on Wednesday night. And, and there's this uh, cool looking dude named Joey. And uh, he loved God, and so he was he's sharing the devotion that night. And he had dark, curly hair. And she was into Isaiah, uh, the, 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 the story uh, of the Messiah, but she was probably also a little bit into his dark, curly hair, all right? And so, like, after it, youth group was over, the whole youth group went to, like, a coffee shop right there in Nazareth, you know? Let's call it Hebrews. 
I knew it. See, Pastor Eli told me they would laugh if I told that joke. It was, I was on the bubble about that, you know. It's definitely a dad joke. Anyways, they went somewhere out, and they hung out, and they started talking more, and he kind of like started just talking to her, and she noticed, and he noticed that she noticed, and they started noticing, right? And, and he starts getting up his courage, and of course, they text all week. She snapped with him, and he snapped with her. All that stuff was going down, and then the next Wednesday, he put on an extra squirt of Axe spray, you know, and like because he knew that would make him irresistible, like the commercial, and he asked her out. She said yes. They start dating, and they, they, they just, they, it just happens so fast, like instant love. And, and, and they're just so into each other until one night he takes her out. He walks across a little bridge, and he drops down on one knee, and he asks her to marry him. And his best friend's over there, you know, zoomed in with a camera, taking a picture from behind the bushes. Goes on Instagram, blows up. Everybody hears about it, right? And then they're going to get married, and they're planning the wedding. Now, I just made up all that part right there. None of that's actually in the Bible. It might have happened. It probably didn't like that. Here's what I know happened. Right about that time, Mary was praying and she had an amazing encounter with an angel from heaven. And the angel said, Mary, you're a holy woman. You've been chosen by God and you are going to carry a boy. You're going to give birth to a boy, a son. And, and I imagine Mary would have said something like, that. wait, wait don't, don't you know, no, J- Joey and I, we, we are waiting until marriage. I, I couldn't be pregnant. And that's when the angel would have said, no, the child that is in you is from the Holy Spirit. He won't have a sin nature. That's why he couldn't come from a man, because we all have a sin nature. Jesus never had a sin nature. This is going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit. And I can imagine that she was like, that's amazing. I can't wait to tell Joey. He's going to be so excited. Now, how many of you think Joey was excited? How many of you think Joey freaked out? I'm with the freaked out part of that, right? He freaked out. There's no way he's going to believe that story. Here's here's the way it went down. Um, Scripture says it was like this, Matthew 1 and 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He, He just couldn't believe the story. I mean, could you believe that story? You're dating someone, she comes back pregnant, and she says, but I haven't touched anybody. Like, you couldn't believe it. No, nobody could believe that story. And, and, and probably he told his, maybe if he wanted to believe it, he was trying to believe it, he told his dad, and his dad's like, you're crazy if you believe that story. And so he says, it's over. We're going to break this thing off. He is crushed, man. His, his heart hurts. And, and, and not only did he trust her, he trusted God. You know, he's a godly young man. He's prayed about this. He's sure this is what God wants to happen in his life. And if he's devastated, she's destroyed. Because a, a young girl in ancient Near Eastern times, you know, pregnant like this outside of wedlock, no one would ever marry her. No one would even give her a job. She'd end up homeless, raising a baby by herself, begging for scraps, or even worse than that. So, so this is clearly not the plan she wanted. And I can imagine, see, right there in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says, after the angel tells all this crazy stuff that's going to happen, her only response is, yes, Lord. Everybody say, yes, Lord. That's her answer. He gives her this crazy plan. She goes, yes, Lord. Let it be to me according to your words. And I can imagine as this thing starts to unfold and it blows up, she's thinking, all I did was say yes, God. Why is this happening to me? Why why are you letting my life be ruined when all I did was say yes? 
And I'm bringing this message tonight, not only because it's Christmas Eve, but because some of you might be asking God the same questions. What did I do so wrong, God? Why why have I got this financial problem? Why did I lose my job? What did I do so wrong, God? Why did he break up with me, God? Why did my husband, my wife, leave me, God? Why am I here raising this child by myself? What did I do so wrong? And so for this message, I really have one point I want to make. And I hope you'll remember this and take it home with you. This is it. You don't have to understand the plan of God to trust the purpose of God. If this story teaches us anything, you don't have to understand the plan of God to trust the purpose of God. She just somehow stuck with the story. She believed, as we'll find out later, Joseph got back on board. Somehow, although they could not possibly understand the plan, they trusted the purpose. See, there's a lot of language in the Bible about plans and purposes. Let me show you one of those verses. Proverbs 19 and 21 says, Many are the plans in a person's heart. How many of you have had lots of plans? How to make money. When I was a teenager, how to get girls, right? How to make my car go faster. How to get me a boat. All kind of plans, right? It says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. I notice a definite distinction between man's plan and God's purpose. It's almost like this verse lets us know, hey, I know you're going to have lots of plans. I know there are going to be things you want to do, but there's something that God wants to do, and it's often not going to line up with the plan you've got. And, and, and it doesn't seem like this verse is chiding you or angry at you or correcting. It's just like an admission that people have their plans, but God has an ultimate purpose. And your plan is going to go in and out, and there are going to be many times God has to interrupt your plan. There are going to be many times where you see what you're trying to do. You don't understand the plan of God to trust his purpose. So so Joseph was like, this is not my plan. I'm going to break this thing off. And then, everybody say then. Then this happened. Matthew 1.20. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she'll have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph is like, are you telling me that story's real? Like, like literally she was telling me the truth? God, how can I believe this? How can you turn my pain into purpose? And it's like I can hear God whispering to him those words from Old Testament Scripture that says, Joseph, your plans are not like my plans. Your thoughts are not like my thoughts. Your ways are not like my ways. And this is where Joseph learned something that I hope we can all learn. Is that sometimes God redirects your plan to fulfill His purpose. And you're going to want that. Trust me. You got a plan. It makes sense to you. It's a plan that's going to bless you and the people that you love. It seems perfect. But listen to me from the beginning of this whole story. God is interrupting people's plans to accomplish a greater purpose. If tonight your plan is jacked up, like what happened? Everything I thought I I could trust or I thought was right is demolished. Listen to me. The holy woman, Mary, the chosen one, God did the same thing to her plan. Sometimes he redirects your plan to accomplish his purpose. And I'm so thankful. I mean it with all my heart. 
One of the best things that ever happened to me was God interrupting my plan. I had a plan when I was a young youth pastor. I wanted to pastor my own church. I wanted to be in a big city. That was what I wanted to do. I wanted to reach lots and lots of people. Call it vanity. I was sure it was the will of God. That's what I was chasing after. And I had talked to this church in a larger city. And I was praying and asking, you know, God to, and I felt like God told me to apply to be the pastor of this church. And that church board voted for me unanimously. And I knew the board, uh, like the head of the board, he had heard me preach many times. And he said, you are in, Jerry. He said, everybody's on board with you. They'll vote at the church, but it's just a formality and and it's just going to happen. And I was so excited. And he said, they'll vote Sunday night. I'll call you. It's going to happen. So Leslie and I were ready. We prayed about it. We're up. Six o'clock, they didn't call seven. Eight, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. We're like, when are they going to call? They went in to take that vote. And there was a denominational leader from a church across town who'd been asked to officiate the vote. That's all he was supposed to do was count the vote. And just as they were about to vote on my name, he said, hey, wait a minute. You guys are talking about Jerry Lawson, right? Yeah. And he said, well, I just want you to know he's only 27 years old. He's never pastored a church before. I don't think he could pastor a church of this size. Just just my opinion now. And just like that, my plan was gone. You know, men and women, human beings, can mess up your plan. But they can't mess up God's purpose. That's why I don't want to be bought into my plan. That's why I don't want to be all sold out on my plan. I want to always say, God, your purpose. What is your purpose for me? What's your plan for my life? I thought I was supposed to be, I wanted a big city to start out with hundreds of people. I ended up in Dodge City with dozens of people. And I found the reason I was born. I found my purpose. I'm so thankful God took my plan and mauled it up and threw it away to accomplish His purpose. You say, are you mad at that preacher? I was. I had to be honest. I can't lie on the pulpit. All right. But I got over it. And I'm thankful that God did what He did. He allowed what He allowed to bring me to His purpose for my life. You might be right there right now. Something's gone sideways. Something's gone haywire. You wanted something else. Listen to me. Many times God will redirect your plan to accomplish His purpose. That's exactly what happened with Joseph and Mary. None of that happened the way they had it planned out. Right? Joseph goes, okay, God, this is a child of the Holy Spirit. Then this is going to be a perfect birth. This has got to be amazing. You know, it's got to be a heavenly epidural or something. There's going to be no pain. She's going to sneeze and the baby pops out. It's going to be awesome. And it wasn't like that at all. Ladies, you know where she went into labor? On the back of a donkey. Going across the Middle East into Bethlehem. He he can't find anywhere. Joseph didn't make reservations. He's running red lights trying to find somewhere to get her to lay down and end up in a stable, right? She gives birth, not in a beautiful place, in a safe, not even a sanitary place, but alongside donkeys and animals. That's where it happens. And that's not when the, the end of the plan going sideways. When the baby's born, what happens immediately? King Herod, the most powerful man on earth, says, I want him dead. And, and, and there's a bounty for her child. All Mary did was say yes to the Lord. Yes, God, whatever you want, I want you, your, your will. And then 
All hell breaks loose in her life. And it doesn't change in a a month or a year or even a decade. They're on the run. They're hiding. They go to Egypt. And fast forward 33 years. This mother is at the foot of the cross and she looks up and there's her baby boy. He's been beaten and stabbed. He's hanging from stakes, like driven through his hands and ankles. He Literally, his organs are probably exposed. His face is so beaten and bruised and bloody that he's unrecognizable. But there's a mama who recognizes him. She had big plans for him, and none of this looks like her plans for his life. But there was a purpose. You say, well, what was the purpose? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that and here's the greatest word in the whole Bible the Bible's got 66 books written by all these different authors four continents uh, three continents four different languages and there's one word that's more there's thousands I don't know how many thousands of words in the Bible I'm going to tell you the most beautiful, precious word in the whole Bible. It's not even Jesus. It's not Messiah. It's not Hosanna. It's not Hallelujah. It's not even glory. The most beautiful word is right in the middle of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that, and here it is, whoever, that's the word. That's the word I hang my life on. I'm a whoever. I'm a lying whoever. I'm a disobedient whoever. I'm somebody who doesn't deserve it, but I still get to be a whoever. I disappointed people. I disappointed God, but it didn't stop me from being a whoever. That's the most beautiful word in the Bible. There may be a million words and names that apply to your life. You may be a liar or a cheat. You may be something worse but you're still a whoever. And and when you read this crazy story of a woman who did nothing but say yes to God and then all hell broke loose in her life, the only way the story makes sense is you. He did it for you. They all went through all that for me and you. That's why I'm not building a church focused on telling everybody how wrong they are and how terrible they are and how uh, ashamed they ought to be. Why would God go through all of this to show you that He hates you? Really? It doesn't make sense. He did all this because He wants you to know He loves you in spite of you. In spite of the worst parts of you, you're still a whoever. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but could have eternal life. (laughs) Eternal life. You know, whatever you have done, the Bible says when you receive Jesus as your Savior, you are in Christ. And all things are new. Everything that happened is gone. And behold, all things are new. Well, there's, there's things that happen, things you've said and things you did and you wish you hadn't said or done. They're still there. You say, well, they, they didn't go away. I'm still dealing with them. No, no, you're dealing with them temporarily. This whole earth, this whole life, this flesh and blood, it's all temporary. But in what really matters, your eternal soul, you are 
brand new. You might not be new before the sheriff. You might not be new before your mother-in-law. You might not be new before your spouse or who used to be your friend, but before the only one that really matters, when you are in Christ, you are brand new. You might have come for any number of reasons tonight. Well, it's tradition. I just thought I was supposed to come. My mama said I couldn't open my presents if I didn't come. Let me tell you, the Bible says there are many plans. Everybody say plans. In a man's heart, there's many plans in a man's heart. But the Lord determines his steps. God determined that you would be here today. So that you would have to look face to face with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that God loves you in spite of you.